Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, it's so good to see you this morning. I'd like you to take your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament book of Joshua. I'm going to read the entire fourth chapter here in just a little bit. Uh, Don't freak out, it's not that terrible, but it is a very good uh, chapter. Um, There's this running joke in my family that, you know, my memory isn't the sharpest. Even when I was younger, my memory isn't the sharpest. I mean, I know now you could probably say, well, you're just old, but even when like when the kids were in school and they'd be talking at dinner time about this happening at school with these certain people, and I'm like, now who's that again? I mean, sometimes I'd have to come up with silly names for some of their friends just so I remembered who's who, but they'd try to explain to me who, who it was again. Don't you remember, Dad? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, sure. Yeah, I remember wonderfully. You know, it gets really bad, though, when you start forgetting your own family's name and you're trying to get their attention and you're like, hey, I, I mean, can, look, you know who you are, right? You know, it's, it's bad when your memory goes like that. It's, I mean, it might, might be kind of humorous when your, your memory goes uh, like that, when you can't remember conversations or, or names. But I'll tell you what's not funny. It's when a Christian cannot remember the goodness of God in their lives. When a Christian cannot remember how great God is and exactly who he is and what it is that he has done. You know, in, in the busyness of life, and everyone is busy, we're all, we're all busy, but sometimes we allow the busyness of life to allow the memories of God's grace and goodness to kind of just get pushed back to the back burner of the mind, and it just no longer moves us. But God, knowing that fallen humanity sometimes has terrible memories, He established memorials. He established places of remembrance to bring back to the forefront of our minds all that he is and all that he has done. Now in Joshua 4, we read about a particular memorial that was given to Israel to bring to mind what it is that God did in their life. And for us, it brings us to to mind to think about a memorial that we were given as a church by Jesus Christ so that we would remember God's great and mighty deeds that he has done on our behalf. As we read this entire chapter of Joshua 4, you know, we, we find the Israelites, they're right there on the edge of crossing the Jordan River to enter into the Promised Land. God calls them to do something so that they and the generations that would follow them would remember him and his mighty deeds. And it reminds us that we too have a memorial that we participate in that reminds us of our great Lord and his mighty deeds on our behalf. And so I'm gonna read uh, Joshua chapter four, uh, beginning in verse one. So let's turn there today. It says, when the entire nation was on the other side, the Lord told Joshua, select for yourselves 12 men from the people, one per tribe. Instruct them, pick up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests stand firmly and carry them over with you and put them in the place where you camp tonight. 
Joshua summoned the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one per tribe. Joshua told them, go in front of the ark of the Lord your God to the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to put a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the Israelite tribes. The stones will be a reminder to you. When your children ask someday, why are these stones important to you? Tell them how the water of the Jordan stopped flowing before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan, the water of the Jordan stopped flowing. These stones will be a lasting memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They picked up 12 stones according to the number of the Israelite tribes from the middle of the Jordan as the Lord had instructed Joshua. They carried them over with them to the camp and put them there. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan in the very place where the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stood. They remained there to this very day. Now the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant were standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people was accomplished in accordance with all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people went across quickly. And when all the people had finished crossing, the Ark of the Lord and the priests crossed as the people looked on. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed for battle ahead of the Israelites, just as Moses had instructed them. About 40,000 battle-ready troops marched past the Lord to fight on the Rift Valley, plains of Jericho. That day, the Lord brought honor to Joshua before all Israel. They respected him all his life, just as they had respected Moses. The Lord told Joshua, instruct the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of Laws to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua instructed the priests come up from the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the middle of the Jordan, and as soon as they had set foot on dry land, the water of the Jordan flowed again and returned to flood stage. The people went up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and camped in Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up in Gilgal the 12 stones that they had taken from the Jordan. He told the Israelites, when your children someday ask their fathers, what do these stones represent? Explain to your children, Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you while you crossed over. It was just like when the Lord your God dried up the Red Sea before us while we crossed it. He has done this so all the nations of the earth might recognize the Lord's power and so you might always obey the Lord your God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, even though we may not forget in the technical sense, how often do we forget to honor who you are and what you have done? As we celebrate remembrances today, may we always put in front of us remembrances to think of how great our God is and how great our Savior is. So you receive the praise and glory and honor. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray. Amen. Well, Joshua had told the Israelites to set up these memorial stones so they would remember the church also has been given a memorial, the Lord's Supper. These memorials that bring to remembrance the person and the act of God on our behalf, these are there so we never forget how great our God is. There's several aspects to this memorial. 
There's three aspects specifically and then some parts of those aspects that I really wanna to touch upon very quickly today and then as we celebrate this memorial. But the first aspect that I wanna to touch on today is I wanna to talk about the act of remembering. God calls for these memorials so that his people will actively remember how great he is, how wonderful his works are. And, and there's, these, there's three features that I wanna to touch upon in this act of remembering that we see demonstrated here and in this story. First, we notice that remembrance is corporate. It's something that we do together. God commanded Joshua to pick 12 men who represented all 12 tribes of Israel to get these 12 large stones in order to make the memorial that would bring to remembrance God's mighty acts that he did for them, bringing them to the promised land. The fact that all the tribes of the nation were involved show that there's an essential unity among God's covenant people in this act of remembrance because what God had done encapsulated all members of the covenant people. So it was fitting that together the covenant people would spur one another on to remember what it is that God did on their behalf. And there's a reason why we as a church body together celebrate the Lord's Supper. We are a local manifestation of God's covenant people and we share in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. It's because you and I as recipients of God's covenant share in the common work of God's grace that is obtained by faith in Jesus Christ. We are all saved by the same means of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I was not saved one way and then you saved another way. There is only one way and his name is Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's only fitting that we share together that common work of grace that God did within us. We share together the memorial that brings to remembrance this grace that God has worked within us. But not only is remembrance corporate, we also notice that remembrance also is personal. Now that's not a contradiction to what I've just said. At the same time, you know, the, the memorial is, is corporate. We all share in this common grace. But at the same time, the memorial brings to remembrance that we personally had to believe in order to be saved. In order to obtain and experience the salvation that Jesus Christ has bought for us, we ourselves had to believe. There was no other human that could believe on my behalf. There was no other human that could believe on your behalf. Nobody else could bring you to Christ in salvation. Nobody could get saved on your behalf. No one brought about your repentance, only God's work within you, you trusting in Jesus Christ. No one can realign your heart other than God. And so this is a personal thing. This is a very personal memorial. God worked within me and drew me to himself. In verse six, Joshua says that future generations are gonna ask why are these stones important to you? You as an individual, what does this memorial mean to you personally? When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what does the Lord's Supper mean to you? What does it stir in your heart? What does it bring to your remembrance? Has God done a work in your heart? through Jesus Christ. It's very personal. But then a third part of the act of remembering is that remembrance is repeated. It's repeated, it says in verse eight, 
that they picked up the stones from the Jordan and carried them to the camp, put them there. They went to, then later it says, you know, they placed it in, in Gilgal. But the stones for the memorial were placed in a centralized location for Israel so that, you know, once they took over the land, people would be traveling that way. And people would see those stones and constantly be reminded as they were traveling what God had done in the life of Israel. They would pass by them. They would remember what God had done because God knew that the memorial would need to be in a place where it would be repeated and looked at over and over again, knowing over time that Israel's memory would go bad. It would grow dull. They would forget the mighty acts of God and they would need some reminding. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper several times a year. Here we do it quarterly. But we do it to remember what Jesus has secured for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. What he has done to secure our pardon for sin. It's not that we don't ever preach sermons here about the gospel or about salvation. It should be a constant thing around here. It's not that somehow we forget we're saved. It's not that somehow we need to be reminded that Christ died on the cross. Rather, we do this as a remembrance because quite often our hearts grow dull. We forget the significance of what it is that Christ has done for us. The gospel message no longer has a full impact in our life as it once did. And so this memorial gives us pause to spend time in deep reflection on the true significance of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That's why it needs to be repeated. So this passage has a lot to say about the act of remembering. But secondly today, it also has something to say about the purpose of remembering. Why is it you know, so important that we remember these events? Why was it important for Israel to remember what God had done for them? Why is it so important for us to remember what Christ has done for us? One of the reasons that is repeated in this passage is, that so, that, is so that future generations may know. Future generations may know what God has done. Future generations may know who God is. Future generations may know God on a personal level. In verses 6 and 21, Joshua says, these stones were made a memorial so that when, your when the children of Israel would see them and they would ask their parents, okay, what, why are these stones important? What's the significance of these stones? Then the parents would be able to tell them what God had done in stopping the water of the Jordan River so the Israelites could cross into the promised land. Those stones were there so that their children could know what great things God had done. So then in turn, they would then tell their children, who would then tell their children, who would then tell their children, and on and on it would go from there so that future generations would know God's great works. Today is no different. You know, we might in our day and age call this, this is a teachable moment. When our children hear us talk about the Lord's Supper or they see us partake of the Lord's Supper, if they have not be believed and been baptized, they may wonder why, you know, they can't join in on the action. 
And they may ask their parents, so what, what's the meaning of all this? And there is an open door of opportunity to share the gospel with your own children so they too will know who Jesus is, know what he has done, and that they would believe, and then they would share with their children, who would share with their children, who will share with their children, and on and on. It goes so that future generations will know the mighty acts of God through Jesus Christ. But that is not the only purpose of remembering. Secondly, we see in the passage, it's so that unbelievers may understand what the Lord has done. In the beginning of verse 24, Joshua told the Israelites that another purpose of the memorial is so that the nations of the earth might recognize the Lord's power. Here, God sets up memorials to show those who are outside the covenant people his power and his might and his glory and his works and his greatness. The memorial reveals something to the unbelievers about who God is and what it is that he has done and gives them an opportunity to know these things that they might not have had otherwise. For example, when foreigners would travel through the land of Israel and the travel route would take them past those stones that were set up and they, that would cause them to stop and ask at the village, ask at the city, what's up with those stones? The Israelites would be able to tell these foreigners all the wonderful things that their God had done. They would have an answer. It would give a chance for that person to follow the God of Israel. But now what about a memorial like the Lord's Supper? Because, you know, the Lord's Supper, it's not out in the open like the stones were. It's here within the church normally during a worship service. How are we able to allow unbelievers to know what our God has done for us. Well, one thing that we can say is that this gives us a good reason to invite all of our unbelieving friends and family to church so when they see us celebrate the Lord's Supper, when they see us partake of the elements of the bread, of the juice, they hear the meaning behind what we do, they begin to wonder. And it opens up an opportunity for them to ask, what's this about? And guess what? Well, let me tell you what it's all about. Let me share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me share with you how Christ's body was broken on our behalf and he died on our behalf and his blood was spilt to give us a new covenant with God. Let me take this opportunity to share with you the good news that God so loved you that he gave his only son so that you would be freed from the clutches of sin and death and hell and have eternal life. It's an opportunity to share with the unbeliever. But there's also opportunity, you know, the Lord works in wonderful ways, and the Holy Spirit may have led someone to church, just laid it on their hearts, you need to go to a church. And they come, and they hear the gospel message for the first time, that God so loved them, he sacrificed his son to pay the penalty for their sins so that when they believe they're given eternal life for, and you'll be with God forever. God, the Holy Spirit may nudge an unbeliever to come to church on a day we celebrate the Lord's Supper so they can hear that good news and they can see a visual reminder of what it is that God has done on our behalf. And so the, the, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit will lead them to believe. 
But not, that's not the only purpose. There's a third purpose. It's so that believers would obey. So that believers may obey. At the end of verse 24, Joshua says another reason for the memorial is so that you might always obey the Lord your God. Again, it's not that we like forget. It's just that our spirits are dulled. The cares of this world have caused us to really think less and less about God, in a right manner at least. The memorials are a way to remind us that God is a God to be feared and to be followed. God is to be respected. God is to be revered. And it it brings an awe. It brings a reminder of his grandeur, also a reminder of his authority. He is called Lord for a reason. And so we remember that and we realign ourselves. This is maybe a time for us to reset and realign ourselves. We have been kind of wandering, doing our own thing. We've been living for the world. We've allowed culture to to guide us in the way we think and the way we act and the way we speak. And this is a time to remember, no, I belong to God. I have been bought with a price, the precious, precious blood of Jesus Christ. I've been bought with this price. I belong to him. I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to this world. I belong to him. And we realign ourselves into obedience to God's word. And so we've talked about the act of remembering and the purpose of remembering. Very quickly, let's talk about the content of remembering today. What is it about God that we remember? I mean, the certain specific acts, yes. What is it about God? The memorial stones for the Israelites, the Lord's Supper for the church. What are specific points of remembrance that it should bring to our mind and heart? Well, first, it causes us to remember God's saving acts those saving works that he has done in our lives. These memorials bring to our remembrance what God did to deliver us. For the Israelites, it was a physical deliverance. The stones are there to remind them how God led them out of Egypt, how God sustained them in the desert, how God, you know, more specifically in the moment, stopped the waters of the Jordan River so that the entire nation could cross over into the land that had been promised them. This is, so they'd go in and inhabit it. This is the reason given in verses 22 and 23. You know, Joshua said, explain to your children, Israel crossed the Jordan River on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you while you crossed over. It was just like when the Lord your God dried up the Red Sea before us while we crossed it. I mean, God delivered us. God saved us. God saved us from the Egyptians. God sustained us through 40 years of wandering. God brought us to the promised land. He led us there. And now for us, the Lord's Supper is a reminder that we are born in sin, eternally separated from God, but God by his grace saved us from the power and penalty of sin, delivered us into the eternal kingdom to live with him forever. It's a reminder that without Jesus, there is no salvation, for salvation is found in no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. Maybe, if you're like me, this reminds you of who you were before you knew Jesus. It makes you ponder, at least it does for me, how many times I could have and probably should have died and gone to hell were it not for his mercy and grace. And this hopefully will lead you to a renewed love for Christ 
You know, maybe we're, we were, maybe we're like the church of Ephesus. We, we forgot our first love. We left our first love. But now we're reminded, no, Jesus is our first love. We're, we're recommitted to Christ. We remember what Christ has saved us from. And we are so thankful that he delivered us from that. But not only is that that content is remembering God's saving acts, secondly, we remember God's holy nature. We remember that our God is holy. I mean, we sang it today plenty. Holy. He is holy. Now, we, we think of the Israelites. The Israelites were not only brought into the promised land because that was God's promise, Another reason, if you read Scripture, that the Israelites were brought into that particular land was to be God's means of judgment against a wicked people. The Canaanites were wicked pagans, and the Israelites were God's arm of judgment against them. And so their memorial was a reminder that God is holy. He takes sin seriously. God does not just wink at sin. Because of his holy nature, he cannot ignore sin. He is just. He will. He has to because of his nature, because of his character. He has to do something about everything that does not meet his standard. If something does not satisfy his standard, justice must be served. And the stones are a reminder to the Israelites that God used them to judge sin. But then it's also a reminder to us of how seriously God takes sin. He takes sin so seriously that he gave his only son, poured out his just wrath for sin on his son because he is holy. May we never forget how holy God is. God is loving. God is merciful, God is compassionate, God is slow to anger, but God is holy. May we not use our salvation as an excuse for sin. Hey, insurance, now I can live however I want. No, our God is holy. And he calls us to be holy just as he is holy. But then the final part of the content of remembering is that we remember God's ultimate worth. We remember God's ultimate worth. These memorials bring to remembrance that God is not who he is and God has not done the works that he has done so that he can be in second place in our lives. God is not just something else that you fit into a slot in your busy life. Jesus Christ is our life. Yeah, I got work. You know what? In work, Jesus is your life. You know what? In your family, Jesus is your life. In fact, Jesus is the life of your family. I got this. I got that. You know what? Jesus is the center of it all. If our God is in Wednesday God to you, you are worshiping the wrong God. The God to whom those stones pointed and the God to whom the Lord's Supper points is a limitless, eternal, sovereign, holy, merciful God who is worthy of more than anything we can offer and yet he desires to relate with us. 
If your God is only worth remembering a little bit, you have a very little God, but if your God is eternal and so loved you that he gave his only son, you don't just remember him twice a week. He is your everything. He is so worthy. That is the one and only true God. One author said that these memorials are interesting and that they touch every point in time. They point us to the past to give us hope in the future so that we have meaning in the present. Another author said these memorials are interesting in that they are enduring sermons. They are not sermons of the ears. They are sermons of the eyes. They are a reminder that whatever happened in our lives did not come about by our own abilities or strengths or wisdom. They came about because of God. The Israelites did not stop up, stop the rivers of the Jordan River. God did. And they needed to be reminded of that. We did not make our own way to heaven. We did not clean ourselves up enough to deal with our sin. God had to do something. God had to step in. God had to intervene. The Lord's Supper shows us we did not save ourselves. God, through Jesus Christ, did. It is a visual sermon. And we want to participate in this today. The Lord's Supper is for those who are baptized believers. You have made a faith in Jesus Christ. You have been baptized as a believer. If you have not done one or either of those, uh, we just ask that you allow the elements to pass you by. And I want you to consider, have you believed in Jesus Christ? If not, why not? Later on, we're going to have a time of invitation. Give your life to Jesus. Maybe you believe, but you haven't been baptized, or you haven't been baptized on the right side, uh, correct side of, of salvation. Why not? Follow in obedience the call to be baptized. And so I'm going to invite our pastors and our deacons to come forward. Let us have a visual sermon of God's goodness and greatness. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.